We're about to get hostile right here. Okay, okay. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll see. Scott woke up. Thank goodness. Well, guys, that was a great intro. I'm glad that we just do whatever the heck we want to do. The audience Woo! was just spared. Well, I don't think they were spared. It's a good conversation. It was a great conversation. But they're spared. They're spared. Any tension that arises between Jeff and Scott or myself and Scott doesn't seem like it happens between me and Jeff that often on the you podcast like your own echo chamber probably <laughs> I'll just and that's submit. what we're going to talk about that's actually we're going to get into that or other people are going to get into that okay. on our behalf right and so our arguments are actually a good thing because it shows that we are comfortable yes. being outside of our echo chamber right guys I am. Absolutely. I mean, why do you, that's the only way I can be around you, Scott. Is because you want to be outside of your echo chamber? You know, I love listening tolerate. to other people's crazy ideas. Yeah. Totally. But you're, and you're open, right? No, you're like I, open and tolerant and loving and grace-filled grace towards other views, right? We, uh, uh, it can yes. be trying. It's difficult, but it happens. So yeah. what I was saying, though, is any tensions on the podcast that the listener actually hears pale in comparison to, to, to our behind we just the scene. went through or other times there's it's Most very the aggressive time. and then it yeah. usually ends up with well see you later but in a good way I, I do have i do have i'm pretty sure i have broken ribs and scott we'll get you, to that you kind of it felt like you were like kind of getting me from behind like giving me like punching you in the ribs wait, wait. like the mental broken ribs how was he <laughs> how was he getting you from behind <laughs> Okay, it hurts to laugh. That's a hell of a soundbite you just gave me. It feels like you're just getting me from behind. I have nothing. I, to, I have nothing to do with that. Ah. All right, we'll get to your ribs. I went on a date with my wife Ooh. to BJ's. Why? Chicago Pizzeria, and all that's important is <laughs> downtown. <laughs> there is some. An old couple came and sat next to us at the bar. The old guy, when Lisa was in the bathroom, said. Is somebody shitting here? He sounded like that. And yeah. it sounded like sitting was shitting. And I said, no, you are. They sit down. The long and the short of it is the dude spilled his drink. He got like a scotch or something. He spilled his drink after it was mostly all gone. And he made such a big deal. So here's what I hear. God damn it. Break. So there was a gap between God damn it, a very loud one, and the breaking glass on the floor. <laughs> and they come and clean it up. Okay. And also the wa the waiter knew them. He's like, Do you guys want the usual? So they go in here all the time. This is right by what the kids would call seizure world. I wouldn't call it that. It's called leisure world. It's where a fifty five plus community. Yeah. But this was six thirty at night, so I was impressed that they were out past four thirty. <laughs> But regardless, they were there. The waiter seemed to know him. And when he brought him a replacement drink and cleaned it up, he said, now don't spill this one. I'm thinking this, this son of a bitch does this every time he comes in for a free extra drink. Cause he drank his drink. He made a huge deal when the glass was spilling like well before it spilled. I could be wrong, but it brought to mind Nick Swartzen who has, well, feedback static. 
Nick Swartzen has some bit about when he's old, he's gonna steal cars and steal, just keep stealing things because I'm old. Who, what, who, you know, what are people gonna really do about it? So no, I think that's nothing. what's going. I think he got a free drink, and I think he usually gets free drinks. I wonder if they put a little. In there. I wonder if they know and they put a little bit of water in it. They probably do. And then they're like, "Oh, there it goes. Yeah. All right, now serving the real one." He was really sweet, but it was it was funny. <laughs> that is funny. Free scotch. Free scotch tips when you're old. Man. But let's talk about ribs. Rib. Yep. Feeling hungry. Mm-hmm. No, we went to Moab biking. And on day two, um, it was snowing. Oh, it, was <laughs> it, was, it was surreal. It was great. That was. It. I mean, we're just going up and up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just thick snowflakes. This is the whole enchilada in Moab, oh, man. Like the mecca of biking, mountain biking, and so we go down this huge wall, rock wall. I'm just it's flat and. Um, that goes down about a, I don't know, hundred yards, 80 yards or something. And then we go down to the bottom and I was like, my, thank God I'm alive. And I didn't slip. And so we start going up and then there's another one, but it's a little more steeper and it's shorter. And I kind of sit back on my bike behind my seat. And when I, I'm, I can feel that I need to, um, get balance. And so as I go up my bag hooked on my seat. And so I had to, I was the bag's fault. I had to pause for a moment. But when I did that, the, the handlebars, uh, as I was accelerating turned and wiped out. And now I'm just falling uncontrollably. Well, in front of me, my bike handlebars have wedged themselves. I didn't know it wedged themselves in between rocks. And when I went to reach out at like full fall rate, I reach out, for the ground and my handlebar drives in totally solid metal drives right into my chest and I kind of bounce off of it. And now I'm just laying there going (laughs) and I I couldn't breathe at all. You were thinking about John Eldridge the whole time, weren't you? And I'm thinking, Oh God, save me, John. And I, I hear, I hear one of the guys like, Jeff, are you all right? Jeff, are you all right? I'm like, and I'm like scrambling to see my chest, expecting a hole like right through my rib cage. And, and all I see is this gigantic red mark, but I can't really see uh, just because I'm in shock and I'm at a bad angle. And I'm like, OK, there's no hole, but I can't breathe. And uh, so now we are three or four days later and uh, I got clicking my ribs and I I can't lay down on my back or my front. I can't get in and out of cars or sit down or breathe or yawn or cough or laugh because it's so stinking painful. And, (laughs) and so, uh, that's my broken ribs. I, uh, I walked down that rock. Like a uh, boss though. Like a boss. I mean, the way you walked, the way you walked, no was trouble. Like, oh. Did you guys see Scott? He totally <laughs> handled that he hill. Totally walked down that. Okay. So after boss. five minutes, all of a sudden we hear guys, uh, going over the edge of where we just came from and I fell and they're flying down in an S shape, full speed. Watch out guys. <sighs> And then like eight more guys, I'm like, okay, so... They go by in slow motion, like with their hands off the handlebars, just flexing and smiling at you. 
I just to rub it in. I was so frustrated. I'm like, I could have just, it just looked too steep. It was about my fifth mountain biking experience and my first real actual mountain bike experience on rocks. So I don't think the Mecca of mountain biking was the place to start. Well, yeah, definitely not the, the place to just kind of go <clears throat> full speed ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah. On your first. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So this, this part was somewhere between overlooking the vast Canyon mm. and the beginning of porcupine. Right. Uh, that's that steep rock part of anyone out there has been to Moab. We, we did Magnificent Seven the first day. We did most of the whole enchilada the second day. The top part was closed due to snow, so mm-hmm. we we uh, got dropped off on the Jimmy Keene Trail. And then the third day, we did Slick Rock, and Jeff trooped up the third day, broken ribs, oh, man. and went out and rode Ooh. half a Slick Rock. That was a bad idea. So we, we actually had made a joke before that about you know the logic of going doing something halfway and then getting frustrated or uh, discouraged and not completing it, turning around and going back halfway back and instead of keep continuing to go mm-hmm. because it's the same distance, whether you go forward or right. go back. Uh, so on slick rock, I think that's what Jeff did. He, uh, we, we were approximately halfway. Yes. Although you did have an excuse. I mean, the wind, the wind was gnarly. It, it was, and I, I was mean, thinking was about my, I'm really like, bad. if I fall, I'm going to yeah. break my whole rib cage. And, and just the idea of slick rock, the whole course is rock. So yes. anytime you fall, you know, there's a little and sand it's gas. it's slick, I hear. And it's like, well, it's slick because uh, apparently because of the horses and they had, you know, the metal. Other riders' shoes. blood is lubricant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the rock itself actually grips tires really well. <laughs> Um, Man. But yeah, that was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Amazing I looked, trip. I looked at one of the guys. I'm like, uh, I'm, I went up there and I got off my bike and I'm walking up. The wind is just blowing and blowing. It's so strong. Yeah. And my bike just lifts off and now it's parallel <laughs> to the ground. And I'm trying to hold my bike from releasing from my hands. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this. And I look down, there's like a large drop. I'm like, no way. I'm going to kill myself here yeah. on the last day. I don't need to do this. And I, I walk, I turn around and there's our buddy, Matt. And I'm like, don't go, don't go, <laughs> don't <man."> go that <laughs> way. And he's like, why not? <laughs> and then Scott catches up and, and I'm what I'm like, I'm walking back and they're like, okay. And so I watched I don't even think I said anything. I see Matt go up there. No, Matt's doing this. I see Matt and Scott go up there. They, they get to the peak and I'm like, I know it's like 50 mile per hour gusts up there. And Matt even told the story you did that he did the same thing. His bike was going sideways or something like that. But as I walked, I thought they would turn around and they just disappeared. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God, I, it ended up not being that bad, and we, oh, we were telling each other, like, man, Jeff should have just kept going a little bit more. Yeah, Matt actually expected me to show up, but oh yeah, that yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Well, I learned something um, not being there. I learned something I never would have thought was true about Jeff is that he's a quitter. He just <laughs> decided to turn it in and go home, so oh, it's man. weird. Jeff never, the Jeff, not my Jeff, not the Jeff I know. You're making my ribs hurt. Never not Jeff. <laughs> Matt said the same thing. He's like, hmm, you quit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So right. why don't we uh, take a quick break and come back with some feedback? <laughs> so no five-star reviews. <laughs> Figures. We did have three last time, which is above average for us thus far. But rate and review us on uh, iTunes. Be great. Right, Jeff? Absolutely. We love reading the reviews. Good or bad. We did hear from Andrew Rurick, Rurick on Twitter at Andrew underscore R-U-R-I-K. He said, big fan of what you guys are doing. Solid conversations. Really fun to listen to. I know he's talking about me there. So thanks. Oh, yeah. Thanks, well, Andy. on behalf of Scott. Thanks, Andrew. Can we make it funner? Our can, conversations? Can we make it more interesting? Hey, Scott. All right. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, really, what is, you it, got? is it about tone? I mean, that, that'd be God a question that going on? I don't know. I don't know. Is it, we got is the BBB part of the boarding. Is it, is it the tone or is it <laughs> the content? It's flash writing. <laughs> Five minutes after the hour, it's uh, 55 before the top of the hour. At data point, there's sharks eating people. Oh, good grief. I am never going into that the ocean true. again. San Onofre, shark attack That's at churches. Sharks hate God. Man, could you imagine getting baptized and a shark just comes? Hopefully it happens after you. I told you to subdue the animals, not let me choose. Guys, God works in mysterious ways. Am I right? The pub evangelist, Becky Seville, Seville, sorry, I always do that, at Becky Seville, OMG at Bros Bibles Beer, I hearted at Reverend Sarah Heath's episode. I totally identify with being an intimidating Accidental none. So thanks, Becky. Wait, I think Sarah. He's a nun. Yep. N O N E. You should listen uh, when you're. We have a guest in the actual room with us. She was with us. She's an accidental nun. She wants to be with somebody, but she's too powerful. Too powerful. Sounds like man. Hopefully, Becky's too powerful too. Hopefully, they'll meet really weak men. That's the thing is that's all there is apparently. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Well, no, they're, they're threatening. She even said so. She's strong, assertive. And I'm nice. I'm so guessing, does that mean I'm nice? No. Well, are you, so when a strong, assertive woman says the what, what is your first response just to hide? Says the what? Yeah. I don't watch TV. I'm not sure. So what, what being anything she says strongly and with strength. Oh yeah. If, if she'll, if she'll let me respond, I'll, I'll uh, argue vehemently. Yeah. So but if I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm not going to back down. I, I guess is what. Oh, that's so good. you're strong. Possibly. I say that now. All right. Let's get you around some accidental nuns. Sevilla here is probably married. <laughs> Sevilla. <laughs> I don't think she is. That'd be um, with an A. Maybe let us know. Scott will try to convert you into a conservative and you can try to do the uh, reverse you of that. You can try to neuter me. <laughs> Wait. Okay, that's Scott at Bros. Bible Beer. Isn't that the opposite of being a conservative? I'm not sure. Being neutered? I think <laughs> so. Is that... Okay, so I'm neutered. Am I neutered? Yeah, you're neutered. Okay. <laughs> and then we heard from... This is great. We heard from Callie at CallieSearch79 on Twitter. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. You are so hilarious. And it's great because she is the third host of the Twisted Sisters podcast, which thus completes the trifecta 
of mentioning them on three separate episodes, three separate hosts. Three separate what? Episodes, three separate hosts. Okay, good. I I didn't hear the T the first time. I'm just saying. Hosts? I'm just saying. I didn't hear the T the first time. That's all I'm saying. Regardless, I did not say hostess, if that's what you're wondering. (sighs) Regardless. Oh, I I see. (laughs) I get it, Scott. All right. I just, you know, you know how it is. You know how I do. No, I appreciate that. Twisted Sisters. Um, so there is it. It's I. I have not listened. I, I should. Um, it's three three women. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, you'll probably unless hate it. one is identifying. As, I, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. That's that's okay. So all right. <laughs> I, yes, I three just, women talking ner- nerdery. Um, all things nerddom and uh, theology and such. So like comic books, video games, science, movies, yeah, ran, random. You'll stuff. hear science. They'll woman explain things. They'll what? You can ask a science turd. All a right. We also heard from Kelly Search seventy nine again. When I get tired and consider giving up on podcasting, at New York Pastors, New York, at NY Pastors, it stands for not your pastors. You said New York. I know. At NY Pastors or at Bros Bibles Beer or at Pastors Podcast have an episode that moves me. Well, happy to move you, Callie. Man, that Kelly, that puts a lot of pressure on um I think Zach and um Jeff. I I mean obviously I don't really you know, care. Yeah. I feel the pressure. <laughs> All right. In my ribs. No, well, actually I do. I actually I Anyway, now you don't believe me. So yeah, there it goes. Well, and this concludes feedback. You can uh, get a hold of us on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bros Bibles Beer. Website has show notes and all that stuff at bb no, com, And rate us and review us on iTunes. We would love that and um, really appreciate it. Kelly. We'll, we'll read it. Email us. We'll have you on. Let's Let's talk about stuff. Are you booking right now? I'm booking. All right. Calls well, from New York or wherever, Youngstown, where I don't even know. We'll Scott at brosbiblesbeer.com. I still need to get access to that email account. It forwards to your Gmail, bro. Just check your Gmail. Oh, I haven't gotten anything. No. Kelly, email me at Zach. What is it? Scott at, at brosbiblesbeer.com. Jeff, can you send me an email real quick just to see if it's working? But anyways, we're going to talk right now. We're going to talk to the deconstructionists, Adam and uh, John. Yeah, those guys are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, did you notice the picture that they had in, in, in back, in, in between them? Do you, no, I didn't. Uh, so after the conversation, I heard, I heard someone drop from the Skype, and I thought it was them. So I was like, Zach, yo. And they started laughing. So then it was just them and I on. And I was like, oh, okay. And I looked, I, I didn't even notice the picture before, but I looked and it, it looked like Martin Luther in like the center. So I was like, hey guys, what's that picture? And they're like, oh yeah, it's a picture of the reformers. So they, they had a picture of Martin Luther and then uh, Calvin and some other people in a in a, a photo or a, a copy of, looks like a hand hand drawings of, of the reformers. I just thought that was interesting. But uh, yeah, pretty That's cool guys. Cool. cool guys. And man, they mention... A couple of a couple of names. They've had some great guests on. One of them, Alexander Shia, has got 
he was on two of their episodes and he melted my face. Like he, like the Ark of the Covenant. He's got in, something uh, called the Indiana Qu- Jones. Qu- yeah. I looked at that covenant. My face melted. But I definitely recommend his episodes. I mean, if you're on the conservative end of safe traditional Christianity, it might be out there. But if you have an open mind, it's about reading the Gospels and the ordering of the Gospels and the intention behind each of the Gospels. Because it's one or the other, right? It's either conservative or open mind, right? I'm just, just, just saying. Well, by definition, I think most conservatives want to conserve the traditional view. And so they're not as open to new ideas about things. So in that sense, yes. Well, and in a broader sense, no, it's not that simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and these as ideas, we'll talk about, yeah, these ideas aren't necessarily new, uh, right They're They're rehashing of, of, uh, Oh, everybody's of standing on and, other giant right, people. Right. For and sure. These are right. things that have been dealt with, but yeah. it was a great conversation. And, and I think something that, that we can learn from them uh, is is the you know they mentioned how much they read and and that's something that I want to do more um, and I, I'm not sure that either of us uh, well I'm sure some of us read more than others but um, I, th- I think this it's an encouragement uh, just to read more and uh, to uh, to read things that uh, stretch you that, yeah they stretch you but not only stretch you but uh, about different topics, right? Um, uh, and that, yeah, that's important because you you don't necessarily know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, and a big a big part of Adams, as we'll hear very soon, a big part of Adams' uh, deconstruction reconstruction was learning about implicit bias and confirmation bias. And man, I have gone on Wikipedia. The confirmation bias. Page. He went on. I'm sorry. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. Source of truth. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Go for it. It's the book of knowledge, and that page of confirmation bias, and it lists all the I don't even know how many numbers of different confirmate types of confirmation bias. It is convicting and a half. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah. I see that. I see that. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And it just you realize how much of your day-to-day thought is kind of controlled by this subconscious bias to protect you from conflicting views. And you're saying that even now after you've gone through some sort of transformation. I'm a, I'm more on guard for it, but yeah, I recognize for sure. I'm, I'm not transformed more, more on guard. I recognize that I have a lot of biases, biases. And so therefore try to be aware of when they're being employed Right. To protect myself from foreign invading ideas or yeah. something like so, that. So, but, but even, I'm saying even now after, because there's been and a big, I, yeah, there's you been asked a big that, shift. And right? I said, yes. There's, there's been a big shift. Correct. And it's not just like, it's not like, um, I, I think at one point you mentioned, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, surprise, surprise, my parents didn't get a, everything exactly right. Right. But, but the trend, but, whatever we want to call the transformation it's it's not that they didn't get it exactly right it's it seems that a lot of things a lot of things have shifted almost to the opposite of what they were before no um it's gone beyond just exactly right to 
a lot of things have have fundamental a fundamental shift, not like nuances um, that would be implicit in saying something like exactly right. Fair. Okay, so drive it home. That's all. I'm, uh, that's all. Was there a point to that? Um, no, I'm saying even after all, you're that, just trying to. I, are you no, trying saying, to say that? Where I'm at now is I'm still guilty of confirmation bias. Therefore, I might be wrong about all this. Well, no, I, 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 I appreciate you acknowledging that there's still confirmation bias. So it's not, it's not that you had confirmation bias before and now you don't, and that's why that's why there's the shift, right? So I, I appreciate that and what you're saying. I think I said that from the beginning. Okay, then why would you why would you be opposed to me appreciating that in you? I don't Thanks. get it, Zach. I struggle with receiving your affirmations. Yeah, obviously. Hop juice, what is that? Oh, that is a local favorite, uh, Left Coast Brewing. My brother-in-law works for them. And they're oh, up yeah. down in San Clemente in Southern California, and that is their triple IPA. Woo! Whoa. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It used to be garbage, uh, but they've recently retooled <laughs> it, and so it's more balanced. So it's pretty pretty good, but it's a, it's definitely a slap in the face. Nice. That's more. That's more Adam. I uh, yeah. I'm the hophead. Yeah. I can't. I just I've tried, man. I I started during like when hipsters first jumped onto craft beers. I, I jumped on board with like brown ales to yeah. lagers and porters and stuff like that. And then when the uh, the hoppy beer phase hit, the IPA phase hit, I was like, I can't, I just can't do it. It tapped out. I, th- I was like, it's too piney, man. It's yeah. too piney for me. It's understandable. That's how, actually how I got away with keeping my beer safe when I was a bachelor is that <laughs> all the hoppy beers, none of my bro- my brothers would uh, touch. So they just, they would leave that alone. They'd drink their ambers or their natty ices and all that stuff. Oh, Gross. Yeah. Watery beer. Yeah. So that's how I got started on that. But my gateway beer was uh, Newcastle. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was one of my gateway beers. My gateway was Guinness, but Newcastle wasn't far behind. You didn't mess around. No, dude. I went straight for the the good stuff. Guinness was, uh, that was a graduate level beer for me. I was like, oh, I don't know about this, man. Started right out on Guinness, man. It's like a loaf of rye bread. I mean, when you drink (laughs) black coffee, when you drink black coffee all the time. That's true. And you see Guinness, you're like, yeah, I I could do that. Yeah. No problem. That's awesome. You'd You'd like McEwen's then. Yeah, McEwen Scottish Ale. Ooh, I like Scottish Ales. Yeah, dark. It's got some bite to it. Yeah. Scott, are you here? Yes. Oh, um, you are there. How long have you been sitting there, bro? Boom. That's kind of creepy, man. <laughs> uh, I can hear you. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> All right, we're getting started. Jeff walked in. Hey guys. Hey. Hey, going? what's up, man? I'm Jeff. <laughs> out of breath, Jeff. Yeah. He's out of breath, not because he was running late but because he may have a punctured lung. For real? Oh, man, I hope not. Possibly. possibly, I'm not sure. Something's clicking inside my ribcage, so (laughs) that's not good. I I really don't want your last breath to be taken on, on like, interviewing us. That would be a really sad way to go. I mean, I'd be honored. Yeah. I'd be honored for sure, but. (laughs) He literally deconstructed himself live. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You guys, you can't make me laugh. It actually hurts. Oh, dude. <laughs> Enter at your own risk then, man. John's yep. a funny guy. Right. <laughs> I I do have to ask and get it out of the way. Uh, the birth of the atomgasm 
you guys, <laughs> when you first started, anybody that's listened to you since the beginning or goes back and binges, I haven't listened since you kind of retooled those and re-edited those. Are those all cleaned <laughs> up? What's going on with that? Dude, they're they're never cleaned up in real life because <laughs> I am uh, I'm like a seven on the Enneagram. I'm a pure extrovert. I'm a very high energy individual and uh, I do things that I love doing and I do not hide the fact that I like them. So um, it just kind of comes out and I realized early on that it was a bit of a distraction for some people and <laughs> I don't want to be so I don't want to be so arrogant that uh, that, you know, I'm not willing to like, you know, let something, you know, die or let something come off the table, you know, if it helps people engage and listen. So we tried to to retool that a little bit. Yeah, yeah it, it's funny. It's funny because I think that it part of the reason it throws some people off is because they they, they think it's uh, like not authentic or something. Uh-huh. And those who get to know Adam <laughs> over time realize that this is just really who he is. Like I remember the I remember the first time we went to a concert together and we saw this really incredible band called Civil Twilight. Civil Twilight, that's right. And in between songs, you know, where like the guy is tuning his guitar up, Adam's like, you guys are really good. <laughs> and the guy's like, thanks, man. He's like, no, really, you're very talented. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, it's just, you know, Adam is just really extroverted. And, you know, I think for those who get to know him, they realize this is just who he is, you know. And, yeah. and you know, they, they say like in vino veritas, like, right? Like the truth comes out with alcohol. Yeah. If I have, if I have drinks, it's only more so. <laughs> so yeah. 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 That makes sense. I remember when Jeff and I first checked you out, I'm like, you got to check these guys out. And I think it was the Rob Bell episode um, when you guys were just so geeked to get Rob Bell and and Jeff was digging the conversation, but there were a couple comments like it almost became our own thing that you gave us where we react to things now and say like, oh, so good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you have to keep that in context, too. Like we were we were having the weird like we had just started. Yeah. And so like so the episodes we record don't necessarily go in sequential order um, in terms of when we record them. And that was literally the. Uh, I think it was the second confirmed interview we had ever gotten before anybody knew who we were or we had any business getting somebody yeah. like Rob Bell. And so going back is almost painful for us to listen to. Oh, because, it's more than painful for oh, me. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> Just, I had I know that no feeling. idea what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, that's awesome. It started, it seemed like you get a couple guests and you guys tapped into this thing. This uh, Some people are reacting against the word deconstruction now but it's whatever you want to call it you tapped into it um and it just exploded how is that like are you guys still like pinching yourself do you still wonder like what are we doing how did this even happen or is it normal now oh no today uh, adam and i just got done doing two interviews uh for a series that we're working on and uh literally in between interviews had this conversation where we're like, we can't believe we get to do this. And, um, you know, we, we kind of view it as a time capsule, you know, for whenever this is this project, this crazy thing that we're doing is said and done. Um, you know, we get to look back and say, Hey, we got to have these really meaningful conversations with these people that we really look up to. And some of them, like some of the guests we've had on, we had no idea who they were before we started this journey. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that, that we're better people and, and, uh, you know, better individuals having had these conversations with them. And so it's just cool because we will always have this, we will always have those conversations, uh, to, to look back on. 
And, you know, I'd love to answer a little bit of what you asked first, too, um, with people kind of, um, yeah, we did grab this this language of deconstruction. And uh, obviously, we had no idea that anybody was going to listen to this show at all, our show. And, uh, you know, it was just an easy word to grab. And it was something that John and I were resonating with uh, personally. And we were reading some Derrida and we were reading like kind of some of where uh, all of these ideas of postmodern philosophy, historical critique, um, the, the, the battle between science and religion, um, the breaking off of fundamentalism, all of these things that are happening, um, this word just seems to kind of just grab all of that. And the people that are kind of, you know, they don't want to use that word anymore or, you know, they want to rally against it and say, well, we're not about deconstruction. We're about reconstruction. Well, it's like, yeah, OK, great. That's that's us, too. You know, yeah. it's, it, it was never about pulling something apart to be rebellious or, you know, piss your parents off or uh, be the fresh one that discovered something new. No, it was just like, hey, this is happening um, it's it's happening. Let's talk about it. And and oh by the way, you can't reconstruct without deconstructing. Like you can't. You can't. You know, it's like Richard Rohr talks about order, disorder, reorder. Pete Rollins talks about disorientation. Um, you know, Rob Bell is always talking about like what's in the question, just questioning, um, and the beauty of the question. And all of we, we just say yay and amen to all of that. Like it's yeah. it's like yes yes. Yes, 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 and that, and that, yeah. and that. Yes, yeah. and it's almost like uh, everything is intertwined. That whole process is is ongoing and happening at the same time. 100%, absolutely. And so I get it. You know what? I even love the fact that some people are, are getting a little uncomfortable with the word deconstruction. John and I are both somewhat uncomfortable with the phrase deconstruction because we don't want it to become an avatar for people that can't ever stick with something or ever commit to something, but they're always like non-committal about everything and they just don't ever want to like identify anywhere or it's just all about always, you know, rebelling against fundamentalism. Like if that's the critique, then we agree with the critique and that's, we don't want to be that at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So before you started the podcast, how about a quick little primer on Adam and John like what how'd you grow up your faith how'd you meet oh man uh, Adam's Adam's is way more interesting than mine um <laughs> I have I have I had a lot less to, to to rail against I think in adulthood um I I was born and raised uh a pastor's kid my dad is a uh, still is a uh, evangelical Lutheran pastor and uh I I didn't really have the upbringing where you know it was this over strict over structured uh, Christian bubble kind of upbringing um, that a lot of my friends had, you know. Um, but obviously, there there were some things that I started to question as I got in my college years, and uh, some things that didn't really make sense, and things that maybe I I had never really questioned until a little bit later in life. Um, but my experience was that as I started to ask these questions um, and, and talk to my dad about them, he kind of surprised me by saying, "Yeah, I don't really believe that either," but. You know, when you're a kid, we talk a lot about this on our show. As a kid, you know, you you don't have the mental faculties to really deal with these abstract concepts. You know, um, you know, like getting into uh, uh, talking about like Paul Tillich's uh, concept of of the divine. You know, you can't you can't talk to an eight year old about that sort of stuff. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, and, and, and the concepts of hell and mythology and, and hyperbole and, you know, so, uh, so Adam will talk a little bit more about this in his upbringing, obviously, but, you know, in asking questions through college and then getting into my thirties and, and getting married and having a, a child, you start to think more deeply about those things and how you want to raise your family and raise your children. And, and so that kind of forced me to really take a look at what do I really believe you know, uh, versus what my, my parents kind of instilled in me. Um, and when I started to dig more into that, I'm, I'm hardcore researcher. So immediately I went to, to books, you know, resources and started really digging in and that led to more questions. And around that time I had met Adam, um, through a church I, I had just started going to, uh, Easter two years ago, actually. And, uh, started at, you know, asking him questions and, and really over beers, um, we, we engage in this dialogue that really kind of ended up being the, the birth to, to this, this podcast that we now do. That sounds familiar. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's how it should start, right? Yeah. It's like a universal, it's like a universal story right there for a lot of us. Yeah. Well, just a, just a follow up. When do you think your faith became your own and not your, your parents bringing you up in the faith? Oh man. If, if I have to be honest, honestly, like probably not until, maybe two years ago when this whole thing started. And, and that's not something I would have answered differently then. I would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got this, this type of faith, you know. But um, it, it's not until, um, you know, probably now that I can look back in hindsight and say, no, I really started to develop my own, my own system of beliefs uh, probably around the time I started this, you know, what, what Rohr would call this journey um, of faith. And really started to ask the questions that led to a stronger faith, in my opinion. Um, I think it's more vibrant and alive now than it ever was before. You know, I've talked before on other podcasts about how it, it was, it became a very easy thing to just kind of, you know, become a spiritual zombie and just kind of walk through the motions. And I would go to church every now and again, and but it felt like more of a commitment than anything. And there'd be some Sundays where I'd feel inspired by a sermon or something like that, or like the worship music was, was particularly good that day, but there was no, there's no buy-in. I don't think there was no heart change as they say, um, until I really started to, you know, to use our, the, the term that, you know, our, our name, uh, to really deconstruct it, look at it from the inside and start to dissect it that I really started to, uh, I really come, come to my own in terms of my own faith. Yeah, I like that of just the question of, you know, why do I believe what I believe and just reflecting on on that on those answers. Um I just I hear it from a lot of younger adults that they're they're listening to some of these podcasts and they're being forced to to answer questions that they've never had to answer for and um it sounds like and including myself, it sounds like you've gone through that over the last few years and um, I just, I just hope that the podcast world continues to grow and just continues to, to force people to answer, um, tough questions and take on their own faith, um, and exchange ideas. Absolutely. Ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree, man. And I think that, um, I think a lot of times the scarier question, the better, because when we feel like we're in control of the faith, uh, usually it's our false self, it's our ego, that's just getting stroked. And it's when you are um, to the point where you're just like, man, I, that is, that's terrifying. I don't know. I don't understand. Now, now you're on the doorstep of, of radical wonder 
and mystery and something that you is bigger than you that you can't control, you can't contain. And I think that you're really starting to to get closer to God at that point when the the questions lead you to a place of uh, almost identity crisis. That's I think that's a really beautiful thing. It's difficult. It's hard. Um, it causes a lot of turmoil, a lot of strife, um, broken relationships. It, 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 there's a huge cost to it. It's why most people don't want to do it, to be honest. Um, but it's 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 absolutely beautiful. Yeah, being in the place of I don't know, it's scary, but it's it's an adventure. Certainly, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so mine, I can do mine pretty quickly. Um, I was raised uh, the textbook fundamentalist evangelical in the 80s and 90s with Adventures in Odyssey and Vacation Bible School. Yeah. And yeah, man. <laughs> and, and, and no, not, you know, no movies that had any cussing or any kind of sexuality in it. So we were, we were watching Christian films and, and listening to uh, Christian music all the time. My first crush on like a female of, of any kind was the album cover Amy Grant, El Shaddai. I was like, she's hot. Oh, I mean, so good. In its time. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I mean, come on. Bad. The, come yeah, on, man. Absolutely. Come on. So, so pretty, pretty, no like, <laughs> pretty like cartoon character for real, like 80s Christian upbringing. That's right. 80s and 90s. And um, non-denominational church, uh, very, very fundamentalist. Um, love those people with all my heart. Good, good people. Um really just trying to to do whatever they know and and I still love them and uh like Roar would say I'm trying to transcend and include which is not the easiest thing to always do but man I love those people so much mm. and even though my upbringing is wacky and weird and a lot of fun to make fun of um I have a great affection for it I love it so much I wouldn't have had it any other way to be honest um it's who I am it's the way it was supposed to be so then um did the thing where you just kind of uh, act like you're still the good kid, but you know you're in college now, so you're hiding your your party life from your parents. Uh, yeah. Got pretty good, got pretty good at that, but I was still still in church, you know, still showing up. Uh, I didn't drink a lot on Saturday nights because I didn't want to be the one that smelled like booze on Sunday. Nice. And uh, and then uh, yeah, just wrestling with theology in my twenties led me to just I I was always a voracious reader and my wife said you know you should just go through the the local seminary program and just get a degree for all that reading that you're doing so I did that and I met some people that were planting a church and it was a messy church and it was a a church that was okay with ambiguity and okay with people being a mess and they asked me to be a pastor and I kind of was like what are you talking about that was never part of the plan and uh, re- reluctantly, and still to this day, I'm a very reluctant pastor, a very conflicted pastor, but I got ordained like six years ago and uh, have been a teaching pastor in a church called uh, the part of the Vineyard Movement, which is non-denominational, um, evangelical, kind of post-Pentecostal, weird, crazy, messy, awesome church. And I love my people so, so, so much. And, uh, I was in, I also have, I don't make any money pastoring. It's all for just for fun. Um, I, I'm, I've always been in uh, healthcare sales of some kind, so like pharmaceutical sales or biologics or something like that to make money to provide for my family. Yeah. And I was in a corporate boardroom doing training and they were doing, um, what was called, uh, implicit bias training, uh, to try to alleviate, um, biases in the workplace that can cause lawsuits and uh you know discrimination and crap like that so i'm in this boardroom 
where everybody else is bored out of their mind and we're learning about biases and I am dialed in and I am just loving hearing about biases and I'm just, I just feel like God is speaking to me through this like language of bias and they talk about confirmation bias, which essentially is we all set up a filter to protect our egos, to protect our connections with those that we are most likely to be around. And this filter only accepts information that you already agree with. And it rules out any information that you would inherently disagree with that could be damaging to your ego. Without, you even, without you even trying. It just happens. Yeah, without you even yeah. knowing it. Just, yeah. just happens. It's, it's, it's basically called system one, system two thinking. And system one thinking is basically just always helping you make quick decisions. You need it for survival. It helps you find the right people to be with. It helps you um, make decisions that you should not have to think too hard about throughout the day. It's good, but you also need to challenge it with system two thinking, which is critical thinking. And um, that challenges the biases inherent in system one thinking. So I'm sitting here in this corporate boardroom getting my mind blown and I'm thinking like I am living in a giant confirmation bias. <laughs> like all I do is read people I know I already agree with and then pick little fights about tiny little uses of little language that doesn't really matter at all to feel good about like having some fight of, of theology or whatever and to feel right about something. And I realized that you were in the doctrine police. Oh, it's totally the doctrine yeah. police, man. A hundred percent. Yeah, me too. Hun- 100% doctrine police, man. I was, uh, you know, early on, I was gelling with the guys from like Acts 29. And um, I'm ashamed to say I was liking Mark Driscoll in my early 20s. And he's uh, got a draw. He's a power. He's got that power and that charisma. And he knows how to preach too. He knows how to preach. And he just, yeah, like, I mean, there was a, there was a humanity to Mark that I appreciated. There was a messiness, even though he was, uh, you know, a control freak and power hungry and uh, domineering and sexist and chauvinistic and yeah. all of that at least didn't look like the the plastic pastor that I was uh, that I was used to. Yeah, you know, at least it had some flesh and blood to it. Even you know, be that as it may. So yeah, I was totally the theology police. But then I'm getting my mind blown by realizing I'm just walking out this confirmation bias on a regular basis, and all of my reading and learning is really just to reinforce my own sense of being right. And I just felt like I needed to repent. I mean, it was a spiritual experience for me. It was like, I need to start asking questions and I need to be okay with other SAS questions. And I need to make space where we all just ask questions. And lo and behold, God sends me, God sends me a friend like John who is ready to like just take this thing and run with it where I was like, I was like, wait, what are we going to do? What, wait, what, what do you want to do? He's like, we're going to do this, man. We're going to do a podcast. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So Wait, so is it the same? Does he affirm everything that you uh, believe? Oh no, dude. No, not at all. No, okay, most it, people it, would think so. We, we've actually gotten that feedback. And that's the funny thing is like Adam and I have, that's the fun of it. I think is that we have conversations behind the scenes all the time about where we stand on certain issues. And they're absolutely things that we don't, we don't agree on. But the idea behind our show is not to present necessarily our own opinions, but to allow others to present their ideas um, in a non-hostile, non-judgmental environment. And so hopefully, uh, the people listening will never know uh, necessarily where we stand on something or that we even disagree or even agree, um, even though we, you know we've had people who just assume that we agree with everything every guest that we've had uh, has to say, which is absolutely not the truth. That's just not even how we look at it. Honestly, no. like... 
not only do John and I not agree on everything, uh, we don't even think like that. Not to say like we're awesome, but like when John and I experience um, a new perspective or a new book or a new author or whatever, the question isn't, hmm, let me find out if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that. The question is, is that beautiful? Is that is that something that I can... Um, uh, is that something that I can dance with, struggle with, wrestle with, get something out of, appreciate, respect, find wonder in, find beauty in, uh, find humanity in, find divinity in? Um, those are the beautiful questions. I'm really pretty bored with the question, do I agree with that or not? Because like, I'm probably way too influenced by Rollins at this point, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what I believe from a cerebral standpoint anymore. That's not really, I don't really care. Like my faith is not something to learn. It's something to live. It's just, yeah, I, I, I just, like, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't really care. Like John and I aren't sitting here after an episode going, so what did you agree with? Oh, I don't know. You know we're just going, dude, that was fun. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, right. Well, I, yeah, to I just, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. yeah, I do have, I, I do have some questions. You were talking about bias, uh, Adam, and it made me think of, just the argument that Scott, Zach, and myself have been having, and and that is when we read the Bible um, or don't read the Bible, um, a lot of times I tell Scott, hey, I'm led by the Spirit, and I haven't really read a lot of the Bible. I just had some trans, uh, just a moment in time that brought me to Christ. And, and so Scott doesn't understand that idea that, I, the spirit could actually lead me and not have the Bible included, um, or at least me being driven by that. So we're, we're about to get hostile right here. Okay. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. We'll see Scott woke up. Thank goodness. Making sure you're still there, right. Scott. So I guess when it comes to, okay. when, it, when it comes to bias, um, Adam, when we read the Bible, um, we're looking at it through that lens and, when we have the discussion with people, it creates, um, I mean, it, it creates just a better conversation, but I guess my question is for you guys, um, when you think about people being led by the spirit and, and you think about people just diving into the Bible, only the Bible, and they know the Bible well, and like this, this is it. So I'm going to, I'll keep checking back to the Bible and how to live. And then there's the people like me, at least presently, who are literally being led by the spirit. Like I, God, is, we're having a conversation every day. And, and so he's asking you to choose where, John MacArthur uh, yeah. or Jeff Pearson. <laughs> so <Go>. where, <laughs> so do, do you believe, do you believe people can be led without the Bible in just a godly way and glorify God. So, I mean, I know there's a first lot. Of all, there. For, for, first, first of all, let me start by saying, like, I, I love the discussion. I love the debate. I love how you know there's different things that bring us to religious experience, to to the divine, um, and that you guys are doing that in community, and that there's tension there and there's struggle there. And I think that is the the most important thing to continue to make space for people to try to figure out what all this language means and what do we even mean when we say, I know what the Bible says, and what do we even mean when we say the Spirit leads, and how can I get you to understand what I think I mean when I say that, 
And how can <laughs> I even begin to understand what you think you mean when you say that? Right. That there's so much ambiguity latent in the conversation that if we don't start off with this uh, commitment to grace and commitment to loving each other in the middle of that complete inability to express what we believe, um, we're already started off on the wrong foot. So it sounds like you guys are doing that. So bravo. Um, that being said, if to, to, to your question specifically about, you know, can you, you know, whatever without actually reading the Bible, I would hope so because nobody's for the most part, if you stack up all the people that have had Christian experiences in the last 2000 years, uh, most of them have never seen a Bible. Right. Yeah. Like the Gutenberg press wasn't invented until the 1500s. And up until that point, like there were maybe a Bible in the nearby town, maybe, and you probably had never touched it. <laughs> and so the, the oral tradition uh, that we believe, the, the communal tradition of, I heard this, now let's talk about it, and I, I, I hope it's from the Bible, um, we, we do not know how good we have it to have cheap printing presses that can disseminate information yeah. the way it is. And, and we should, honestly, I think that, I think that to say I don't want to read the Bible is is snubbing a little bit the gift we've been given at this place in history. Like, sure. if if you went up to all those people that had never even laid a finger on a Bible, they'd never even seen a Bible, and you say like, "Eh, I don't really care." Yeah, snubbing yeah, well, a snubbing might be a whatever a very uh, diminished think, word. Yeah, I think I think they would be like, "Are you are you crazy?" Like. You can engage with that all the time and you just don't? That's kind of that's what I would hear them saying. So, but it, but it's up to you, man. It's it's whatever and there's different chapters in life. So, I don't know, that's my answer. Sure. <laughs> that works. Yeah, and Jeff uh Jeff. Yes, yeah, Scott. Oh man. I want to just be there <laughs> to just a can wrap of worms. My arms. we're limited. Yeah, wrap <laughs> my arms around your neck, you know? Uh no, I just uh, <laughs> No, I, I've, I, I've, there's probably something in the Bible where you shouldn't do that. So go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't read it. I know though, we're. So I know we're poking fun. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've always affirmed you. You being led by the Spirit. Um, I right. I I've never. I've never tried to downplay that. Um, my point has always been that uh, you have a community of people that you're around, and when you go to church, you you hear you hear the sermons. You're you're getting you're getting these truths, um, even though you're not necessarily yourself reading. Uh, that that was my that's been my point. No, that makes sense. That's a worthy point. So, guys, uh, actually, Adam, real quick, was there something that was there a trigger for? What was the first pillar, I guess, of your fundamentalism that went with your newfound um, confirmation bias exposure? Oh, dude, I don't even know. There just be. Uh, I would love to give you a straight answer for that, but it literally just became this litany of questions and the ability to ask questions about things I didn't think I would. So I would say it's that one. I'd say it's it's not a doctrine in particular. It's it's the am I allowed to ask these questions? And once you start to open up that can of worms, as I'm sure you guys well know, um, you kind of go, well, yeah. I mean, can I ask this question? It's like, yeah, you can ask that question. Well, what about this? Qu can I ask about the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture? Yeah, you can ask that question. Well, where is that going to go? I don't know, but it might actually require some faith to go down that road. 
Um, well, what about like penal substitutionary atonement? That's off limits, right? What about homosexuality? What about uh, what about women in leadership? What about money? What about no? All of them, all of them, all of them. Yeah. All I I don't know because once you start asking questions, man, the questions just kind of do their thing. Yeah. And what is it that I think I've heard it from Pete Enns and Richard Rohr, different versions, but something about before you're worried about the slippery slope, make sure you even want to be on that hill or something, some variation of that. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Which I, I get love, that. I love that. That concept is just kind of embracing that. What right now has been blowing your mind that you've gotten from a guest recently that has just turned your world upside down? Oh man. Uh, well, there, we've been really dabbling in some some Judaism and some other some other religions, just in terms of trying to kickstart some interfaith dialogue, and um, seeing other perspectives and and kind of uh, especially within Judaism, I think you know, kind of our parent parent religion, if you will, um, has been really eye opening. So good. If you really want to get into some Old Testament, you know, talk to a Jewish scholar and have him just kick you in the brain for like yes. an hour. So, um, Rabbi uh, Arthur Green has been a guy that definitely check out Art Green. Just I don't even know how to describe this guy other than <laughs> kind of the Richard Rohr slash Alexander Shia slash uh, you know Rollins even a little bit Rollinsy of the Jewish community. Yeah, Rob Belly kind of. Uh, um, you oh know, goodness! Jewish you scholar, are, you guys are giving me a spiritual boner right now. I swear to God, you should, oh. have, you should honestly have one. He is <laughs> deserving of a spiritual <laughs> yeah. boner. Yeah, go out, get 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 radical Judaism. Um, where'd I put it? Uh, oh, there. There's one around here. Um, but it, it's just, I mean, he talks about, um, you know, he can, he gets into a little ontology. You know, how, how do we talk about the divine um, using, you know, the uh, constructs of human language and and that sort of thing and it just i mean this honestly i i think i i couldn't tell him this obviously but i think the title itself does the book a disservice radical judaism they should have just stuck with the subtitle rethinking god and tradition yeah because Yale, it speaks Yale to so many other sucks at marketing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it speaks to so many more traditions uh but this book than is just judaism. so dope i mean so dope yeah awesome radical judaism yeah, really good. Really good. So. I think that for me, um, the thing that I've gotten is more of been like an overall unintentional overall theme that's come out of our podcast um, and all the reading and, and conversations John and I have had. And it's this um, getting away from thinking of the divine and transcendence as something out there, something that gets you out, something that gets you up to looking at the divine and transcendence as a dimension that's deeper down in experience itself um, locking you into the world, into your own body, into your home, into your community, into this world, um, into our ecology, into our politics, into um, that's where transcendence actually is, uh, or maybe better described um, as a depth dimension and not uh, some outside place to go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I almost just Adam gasmed. <laughs> it's it's fun man i mean this is fun it's it should be so fun it yeah, is fun and you know what? i i will say i do know when adam agrees with what a guest is saying i haven't heard a john gasm yet so i'll wait for that 
<laughs> I try to I try to I try to hold it back if He's I can. He's way more controlled than I am. I'm yeah. jealous. Yeah. I, or maybe I just edit myself out. You'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, I know you, we got to let you guys go and we're just kind of scratching the surface here, so we'll have to do this again sometime. We would love that. Yeah, man. thanks a lot, guys. No, Absolutely. and thanks for doing what you guys are doing and just continuing to create community and and just enjoy life and have fun and not take it all so, so seriously. Um, I think there's real real wisdom in that, and you guys are to be commended. So thank you for doing that. Amen. I think you guys, yeah, I'm convinced podcasting is a part of saving the world, just the exchange of ideas from anywhere on the planet, from everybody else. And that's why I'm so pumped and excited uh, to be just a little little bitty slice um, but real quick, what is your uh, what do you have next coming up besides guests? Do you have any expansion to the podcast? Are you, is there going to be a media company, books? What's going on, guys? Oh, I know geez. you guys are big thinkers. <laughs> I know John's oh, the big thinker there. No, <laughs> we're, we're we're not. John John's the CEO. Uh, it, you know, it's funny, Adam. Um, so part of part of uh, the end of this year has been um, Adam just getting crushed with starting a new job and. Um, and and me just kind of diving into some of the the minutia of running a podcast and just you know trying to keep it going whatever um and then i un- unexpectedly started a new job recently so we are both getting crushed um and just trying to basically get episodes out so um i don't know i think i think we want to do an, another live event at some point this year um at some point yeah and then other than that, um, we've got we've got some cool series coming up in the in the meanwhile. We're trying to retool our website um, so it looks a little 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 shinier. We've got new uh, new uh, pint glasses with our logo on it that awesome. we just got in. So those are those are pretty cool. You know, some new merch in, in that in that regard. Uh, and then uh, just trying to continue to find cool guests and and continue to start cool conversations. Like I said, um, we have a series coming up, a three part series. Um, based on interreligious dialogue, and so we have a uh, Hindu guest, a Jewish guest, and a Muslim guest um, that have come on the show, and uh, we're really excited to uh, to air that one next month or somewhere Something. around there. I don't yeah. even know. So awesome. that's about it for the time being. Yeah, no media company quite yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm more excited. I'm more excited about the pint glasses. Yeah, than- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to send you out some homebrew. To fill those things up. Oh, heck yeah. We would gladly take some homebrew. We will never turn down free beer. All right. <laughs> yeah. So what, where's the best place? It feels silly. People know how to use Google, but we'll have everything in the show notes. But where can people find you the best? Uh, just go to our website, uh, www.thedeconstructionist.com. Um, we're on all the social medias. Um, I think on Facebook, we're Deconstructionist Anonymous. Uh, Deconstruct Cast on Twitter and Deconstructionist Podcast on Facebook. And then uh, as far as our shows go, you can find them on pretty much any of the uh, the podcast avenues. So iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, um, Podbean, Google Play, all those Stitcher. So Awesome. That's pretty much it. Well, thank, thank you guys. And say thank you to your families and stuff. I know you guys are stretched thin, but this was awesome. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks, oh, no. guys. Thanks for reaching out, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. We'll All the do. best. Take care. Thanks, All right, man. See you later. later. I'm 52. I'm a gym teacher. Oh, my gosh. I get slapped a lot. Hell. I like the way your shorts fit. I did try to only have one wife. I like you were, like, kind of getting me from behind. Double exclamation. Separate the sheep from the goats. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>